works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have their right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and every lover and those who practice a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you those things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I, I pray that you open up our ears, our eyes, and our hearts, Lord, this morning to what you are saying in this church and the churches throughout the world. Lord, I pray that you will guide my speech. I pray, Lord, that you will fill my inner man with the Holy Spirit as I expound your holy word this morning. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Now, today's reading may not seem relevant at first. Uh, so for that, you'll have to wait to the end. Now, today I want to begin by sharing a conversation that I had at the gym and what that resulted in. Simon, good morning. You want to sit next to this lovely lady? That's my mother. Now, two things I think it will result in this morning. Um, one is a testimony, and two is an opportunity. So today I want to share a testimony of a move of God which happens this week. And the second will give me an opportunity to equip, to edify, and encourage the saints this morning. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that he, the Lord, gave some to be pastors for the equipping of the saints and for the edifying of the body. So today is not necessarily a sermon, but it's a something. Okay? Good? Now today's message is entitled, Look at the State of Israel. And I love these titles which have double meanings. Look towards the state of Israel, or look at the state of Israel. Look at the mess which is going on at this time. Now, God willing, I want to be given a full teaching um, about the state of Israel and God's promises to Israel about bringing them back into the land and so forth. Um, and I will do that in due time. But today, simply to give a testimony of a very powerful move of God, which I haven't seen before in my Christian walk, which happened this week. So I want to begin. Um, it was Monday. I'd gone to the gym, and this fine man works. And I got chatting. Can you believe that? 
I got chatting to somebody at the gym. It was a lady um, who's a school teacher. And she's off this week because it's half term and however many weeks that is. And we get chatting about what she does and so forth. And she asked me, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. And she said, well, that's great. I said, do you know what one is? And she said, no. So I explained what a pastor is and everything else. And she asked me how I became a Christian. I said, well, if you go on YouTube and you put in Calvary, Cambridge, um, you'll hear all about it. There's a testimony up there I did a few weeks ago. Um, but I said, what do you do then as a teacher? What do you do? And she goes, well, I, I teach, um, I'm, at the moment I'm teaching history. I'm teaching about Rome and Roman history. But she also said, I studied philosophy. I studied comparative religion. I said, well, this is interesting. She goes, well, it is interesting. But I've got this bunch of kids who think Roman history is boring. I said, oh, really? She goes, I'm, I'm trying to inspire them about Roman history and all what's happened with Rome. I said, what have you got to the sacking of Jerusalem yet in AD 70? She goes, no, I haven't. I said, well, that's a good starting point. I said, the sacking of Jerusalem is something that happened in AD 70, and a million Jews were killed, and a million led into captivity in the diaspora. This is a very um, important thing in, in world history, a changing thing, and the Jews were dispersed and so forth. And then I said, but now God is bringing them back, isn't he? She said, is he? I said, oh yeah. I said, this way, it gets really exciting. And then I had her attention. And I said these words. Look at the state of Israel. Look at the state of Israel. Um, and I said, yep, the Lord is bringing them back. So I want to begin by turning, please, to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. Just be reading it in part this morning. Again, this is just a conversation that took place at my local gym. So I just want to give a testimony. This is how the conversation took place. I'll be adding a few things also. But I think this is really important. Um, the first thing is this. It gripped her attention. I'd already say, if you want my testimony, you can go online look at that. Um, but this is history. This is what's happening now at this time. Let's read what the prophet Isaiah says. Isaiah 66, verse 8. It says, Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day? Or a nation be brought forth in a moment? I said, yes. Yes, it can. She said, well, I've never heard this before. She said, the 14th of May, 1948, Israel became a state. It was born in one day, in 24 hours. I said, consider this. You had the Jewish people who had been scattered throughout the world for 2,000 years, and God is bringing them back. And the only way that we can actually see this and determine this is because they've remained a recognizable people. Despite being dispersed for 2,000 years in all these different countries, the whole of Israel has not been assimilated 
into secular or even Christian society, but they have remained a distinct people, separate from the nations that they've been in by keeping the Sabbath, by keeping the laws, by marrying other Jews and everything else. I said, and God is bringing them back. And I could see this lady's brain going, these cogs turning, thinking, well, I've never heard this before. This is the first. And she seems somewhat intrigued. And I said this. I said, the Bible says that God would regather the dispersed Jewish people. He said he was going to do it. And when God said he's going to do it, he's going to... Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Now the cool thing is, while I'm speaking about this, everything's going on as normal at the gym. And it's, but actually, it's just me and her chatting now. This is it. And she's like, well, I'm very intrigued about this. I said, yeah, let me share some more with you. Now, we can look in Isaiah chapter 11, which is really a passage about the Messiah. It speaks about the offspring or the root of Jesse, which is a messianic title. Okay? It's very important, I think. Uh, we're so used to Jesus Christ, we have to remind ourselves sometimes when we're speaking about Jesus Christ, that that's not his surname. It's a title, and it simply means Jesus the Messiah, the Mashiach, the one the Jewish people are waiting for, the anointed one of God. And this is a messianic passage. Let's just take a couple of verses for example. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And we heard last week who Jesse is. Who is he? David's dad. Okay, so from that line, there's going to be a rod that stems forth from Jesse. It says, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And that word branch in Hebrew is nizir, where some people think that's where the name Nazareth comes from. So he could grow up in Nazareth. Then it says this, look carefully in verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Capital H. This isn't just a man. This is the Messiah. The anointed one of God. Now look with me in verse 10. This is what I shared. We have this phrase, in that day. It doesn't necessarily mean about a period of time, but it applies where the Messiah is. Isaiah 11, verse 10. In that day where the Messiah is, there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand, listen carefully, as a banner to the people. Who shall stand? That's a person. And that person is none other than Jesus, the Messiah. And then it says this, look, for the Gentiles shall seek him. This isn't a cloth banner, this is a person. The Gentiles will seek after the Messiah of Israel. And they have been, haven't they? For a long time. And his resting place shall be glorious. Where did Jesus go when he had finished all of his works? To the Father. That's got to be a glorious place. And it shall come to pass in that day, around the Messiah, that the Lord shall set his hand again, the second time what for to recover the remnant of his people who are left he's going to gather the jews who are left out there from assyria and egypt 
from Pathros, from Kutch, from Elam and from Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. He, God, will set up a banner for the nations. Could this be Israel? A banner saying, look, look what I'm doing. And we'll assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersal of Judah. From where? From the four corners of the earth. The passage is saying this. The Messiah is going to come forth. Of course, we know he came unto his own, his own received him not. The Jews rejected him by and large. He's gone out into the world. The truth of who Jesus is has gone out into the world. The world has gone, well, this is wonderful. Thank you, Jews, for your Messiah and received him. But now God is reaching out his hand a second time. And this is another banner. And the banner actually says this. I am a promise keeping God. I said I'm going to do it, and I'm doing it. And I'm asking no one's permission. Not even Klaus Schwab. I'm asking no one's permission. I'm not asking the UN. I'm not asking Biden. not asking any of them. Why? Because I'm God, and I do what I want, when I want, and I ask nobody's permission. Amen? God is going to gather these people. And this is what I was saying to her. And God has been doing this. And since 1948, I told her, three million Jews have made Aliyah back to Israel. Okay? Over 150 nations. From 150 nations. This surely is a miracle. Anyone heard of Operation Solomon? Operation Solomon. In 1991, over 14,000 Ethiopian Jews were brought back into Israel in two days. Some of them only had one shoe on. I've got video evidence of them turning up with the Torah scrolls under their legs with one shoe on. God was bringing back people from Yemen who'd never been on an airplane before in 1956. They went over there to Yemen, filled up with all the Jews there, and they started to fly back. And the air hostess said, well, what's going on? I can smell burning. And she went back into the back of the plane and they set a fire. Why had they done that? But they were cold. They didn't know any different. They'd never been on a plane. What's wrong with having a fire on a plane? And God has been bringing them back and back into Israel. Let me just add another scripture. Turn with me to Isaiah 43. I had one minister said, he thinks this is a greater miracle then bringing the Jews out of Egypt. Because you've got to remember what was going on. Around this time since 48, we've had hardcore communism. Where nobody could go in and nobody could get out. They had hardcore Islamic countries who wouldn't let anybody in or anybody else, especially the Jewish people. But let's have a look. Let me add this. Isaiah 43, 5 to 7. God is speaking, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. And to the north, Russia, I will say, give them up. And to the south, Yemenites, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I 
have made him. God says he's going to do something. He's going to do it. Amen? Now, I could see this lady thinking, and rightly so, but look at the state of Israel. What a mess. What a mess of a country. And I must say, it is. I've been in Israel 12 times, and it's messy. It's messy politically. It's messy with racism. It's messy with every other thing. It is a mess. It's been seemingly continued wars. Everyone's got a gun. You know who's got a gun? Might be some pretty little 17-year-old on a bus and suddenly she pulls out a rifle and says, whoa, hold on. They all have to serve in the army to protect the country. Nobody really knows what's going on. And anything can happen at any moment. Isn't that right, Mum? Mum come to visit me. It'd been complete peace and quiet. For ages, I've been there six months, nothing happened. Mum comes and it all kicks off. I said, Mum, come and visit me for my birthday. Forget what the news says. It's fine out here in Israel. The first night she arrived, it was in a bomb shelter. It's messy. I said, well, Mum, I'm going to take you up to the Mount of Olives. It's lovely up there. She's, I get her up there. She's like, what's all that banging? I mean, that's gunfire. Everyone's happy to see you, Mum. We go into the souk, into the market. All I wanted was a kebab. It all starts kicking off. The IDF come running down machine guns. I went, Mum, this way. Let's go this way. She's oh, what's going on? It's exciting. It's messy. Politically. Spiritually. It's a mad place. There's the War of Independence in 1948. There's the Six-Day War in 1967 and the Yom Kippur War in 1973. It is messy. Write this passage down. Jeremiah 30, verse 7 says this. This is the time of Jacob's trouble. This is the time of Jacob's trouble. As you know, Jacob's name was changed to Israel and he had 12 sons. Genesis chapter 32. This is their time of trouble. Then he adds, but he shall be saved out of it. He shall be saved out of it. Now, why is God doing all of this? Because, of course, you would do it better, wouldn't you? I would do it better. We'd do it in a different way. We'd try and figure it all out and how we can resolve this mess. Turn with me to Ezekiel, please, chapter 36. And this is really important for us to grasp this. Maybe we'll read a couple of verses at the beginning, and then we're going to drop down to 22. Because I'm not talking about political Israel. I'm not talking about the divisions between Israel and the Palestinians. I'm talking about what God is doing. Look in verse 16. This is to do with the renewal of Israel. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. To me, their ways was like the uncleanness 
of a woman in her customary impurity. That's how the Lord saw Israel, in the way that they behaved in that land. With all their idolatry and wickedness and adultery and cheating, that's how we saw it. Verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. And this is what we need to grasp. There's nothing of the Jewish people that God's doing it for them. He's not doing it for them because they think they're so great. He's not doing it for them because of them keeping the Torah or attempting to. He's not doing it for them for any other reason. But he said, I'm doing it for my holy name's sake. You get that? If there's anything you're going to get today, get that. God is doing it for my holy namesake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which you have profaned among the nations. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I'm holy or hallowed in you before their eyes. I'm going to bring you back. And when the people see that you are holy, they will know who I am. And I will be glorified in the midst of them. Verse 24. I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Who does God say the land belongs to? Them. Why? Because he gave it to them. I will be doing a further teaching on this. A proper teaching on this. I know it's controversial. Tell me something that isn't. Then, once he's brought them into the land, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Which I would say is the word of God. And you shall be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Now here's a key verse. Get this. And this is what I was sharing with this lady. This is what God is doing. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27. Once God has done this, he says this. I will put my spirit within you, which I would say is the Holy Spirit. A heart of stone. And they are tough people, the Jews. I don't know if you know this, they're called subras. You know what a subra is? It's a fruit. It's really, really spiky. But once you get past the spikiness, it's nice and gooey inside. Okay? And they're a spiky people. But when you make friends with them and get to know them, they're a bit squidgy. How's that? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I have Gave to your fathers, you should be my people, and I will be your God. You see, many will say, well, shouldn't they have received the Messiah and then brought them back? Well, you have to take that up with God. Maybe you think you, God should have done it a different way. I'll leave you and him to have that chat. But God says, no, I'm going to bring you back into your land. I'm going to bring you back in, and then I'm going to remove this heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. 
that you are able to receive the Holy Spirit, which will bring about salvation. You see that? And this is what I said to this lady. I said, do you know that this is happening? Uh, no, I don't know any of this. Think of this. This is a teacher. This is someone of comparative religion, someone who's studying history. I said, God is bringing his people back. And right now in the land of Israel, there are scores of messianic churches. You know what that is? She goes, no, I don't know what that is. I said, Jewish believers in Jesus as Messiah and their God. Well, I've never heard such a thing. I said, well, you have now, and he's doing it, and it's exciting. Every time I go back, there's more and more Jews that believe in Jesus. I can't wait till we go again. I say weeks, I'll be taking Chelsea this time. Now, have you heard? No, I said, oh, man. Every time I go there, I said, everyone I lived with was basically Jewish. And it was a so-called Christian church. God is doing a work there. More and more Jewish, Hebrew-speaking churches, Jews believing in Jesus. I remember when I was working, it was 2010 at Christ Church. And there come this ultra-Orthodox Jew that came in. They look rather strange. They have these big furry hats, okay, from the Russian culture. And they got the payots, you know, the big long curly things that come down. And the big long beards that come down. Strange clothes. Many, many layers. Although it's boiling hot. And big white socks that come up to their knees. And he's ultra-Orthodox. So he's ultra-good. And he comes walking in onto the church grounds. Which they're not allowed to do. For their, from their rabbis. We welcome anyone. That's how I got in there. And he said... In very strange language, I want to speak to one of you lot. It's in Yiddish. We found out that he was speaking Yiddish, okay, a language which the Jews have been speaking in Germany, have retained the old German language. So we got a brother who spoke English and Hebrew and Yiddish. And he came out and said, I, I speak Yiddish. And off they went into the church together, which is unheard of. They won't go into a church building, okay? Let me just say, he was piping mad. And he storms back out the church, 10 minutes later, with a little book in his hand, puts it in his pocket and goes, up. and I said, well, what happened? The wonderful brother of mine who's with the Lord now, Lewis Sherman, wonderful guy. And he said, well, he had a dream. I said, well, what was the dream? He said, God came to him in the dream and said, hello, my name is Yeshua, Hamashiach. I'm Jesus, the Messiah. Why don't you go and speak to my people at Christ Church in Jerusalem. And he said he was really mad because he thought he was God's people. Who are you lot? We're the Jews. We're in Israel. You're Christians. You don't know our God. So he came and he left with a Brit Hadashah, which is a copy of the new covenant promised by Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 31. He left with that. God only knows what happened of that. You see, it's coming about revelation. Coming about revelation. I said, look, as Christians, I said, I don't know if you know this, but we read the Old Testament. She's like, no, I didn't realize that you studied the Old Testament. I said, look, the only way that we know who Jesus is, that he is the Jewish Messiah, is by reading the Old Testament. So anyone can come along and make up a new religion. For those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, you know who I'm talking of. I said, do you want to know about the virgin birth? Old Testament. You want to know about Jesus being born in Bethlehem? 
Old Testament. You'll know about Jesus growing up in Nazareth. Old Testament. You'll know about Jesus riding lowly on a donkey. Old Testament. You'll know about the crucifixion. Old Testament. Old Testament. This is it. This is how we know who he is. She said, I really didn't have an idea. Now, this is what happened, okay? The lady now became transfixed, okay? It could be many reasons why people stare at me, but she was staring a lot. And she was just staring right at me. Something was happening. Everything was going on around us. But now she's, you could see all this knowledge, comparative religion, study of Roman history. It's all now coming together. Now listen to this. This is what happened. As I'm staring at her, who's staring at me? The Holy Spirit fell on me. Now listen. The Holy Spirit fell on her. And I looked at her. And I said, can you feel that? And she went, yeah, what, what is that? I said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God. I've never known this on an unbeliever. And I said, do you know what? Do you know what he's saying? No. Come. Come. Do you know when? No. Now. And her eyes went quite sleepy. And she went against the wall and knelt down by the wall. In utter shock and disbelief what was happening. I'm really excited about it. This is good. This is amazing. I haven't seen this before. And she arose after about a minute. And she looked at me and said very quietly twice, Thank you. Thank you. And she walked off holding her head. And off she went. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Now I say this with all reverence. But the words that I spoke to her. Come. Come. But not of myself. In that moment I was simply a conduit for the Holy Spirit. I say that reverently. That's exactly what happened. And this is what I think. Happened. Mark chapter 16 verse 19. This is after Christ ascends to the right hand of God. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, that's the disciples, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. That's the glorious place in which Jesus returned. And they, the apostles, went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. And I think that's what happened. That the words that I was sharing, the Lord confirmed by the showing up of the Holy Spirit. Because I've not seen anything like this in my 17 years. 
And as you know, I talk a lot. I've never seen this before. So let's go back to Revelation 22. I simply believe that the Spirit was confirming what I was proclaiming. Revelation 22, verse 12. We're just going to go through this quickly. Jesus is speaking. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is saying, I am God. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside, those without a covenant are dogs. Remember that? Last week, Goliath said the same thing. He come to me with sticks as if I'm a dog. And sorcerers. The word sorcerers there comes from the Greek word pharmakia. Those who practice black arts. <coughs> and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Those ones are not getting in. Now this, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you those things. Which things? That I am coming quickly. Verse 13, that I am God. Verse 15, that these others are not getting in. I've come and sent my angel to testify to those things. The angel is there as messenger. That's me in this process. I'm not an angel. Ask my wife and ask my mother. I'm not an angel. Okay? But a messenger. Now look. I am the roots and offspring of David. The bright and morning star. You see? These are the things that I'm proclaiming to her. The Lord is coming. He's doing a work. He is God. Christ is God. And he is the root and offspring of David. He is the messianic king. Here's the key verse, 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life free. See, the spirit and the bride, the Holy Spirit and the church say, come. That's what's happening. And let him who hears say, come. I heard that. And I responded and I said to her, come. Now she, she desires, she must come and take up the water. She is thirsty. Now the question is this. That's the end of the, the testimony of what happened. Is all this useful to you on a Sunday morning? I say yes. And as I pondered it and considered it, he makes easy evangelism, an easy way of sharing the gospel. Because the gospel goes to the heart of the people. That's what the gospel does, isn't it? Law to the proud, grace to the humble. However, when you speak about Israel, it goes to the heart of God. Now, Who's heard of this thing called FOMO? 
It's called the fear of missing out. I'm just letting you know I'm down with the kids, all right? You can easily provoke people to jealousy, as the Apostle Paul says, when you say to people, look at the state of Israel. Do you know what's going on over there? It's a very easy evangelism, isn't it? You don't have to go to them and say, are you a sinner and you need to repent and everything else? But you just simply say, have you heard what's going on in Israel? No, what's going on in Israel? About all the Jews coming to faith in Jesus Christ. You heard about them? No, I haven't heard about that. How come I haven't heard about that? Oh, yeah, you should check it out. You should go online and see it. Well, what does that mean? It means the Messiah is coming quickly. That God is a covenant-keeping God, and God keeps his promises. And then when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. Amen? When I was speaking with my eldest brother about this, I said, God is doing, he went, a big thing. And I quoted the prophet Isaiah. I said, no, behold, I am doing a new thing. And God could be doing a new thing. Where he's going to, as the prophet Joel says, pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not the church, not just the Jews, but on all flesh. We could be in a time of, I would say, great excitement. Amen? Because I have not experienced this before. See, it's very important that we continue. As the world tries to shut us down on speaking about religion and everything else, anything else which is contentious, to keep on speaking about the salvation found in Christ. Amen? We've been given a golden opportunity. I'm very excited. I've had a good week, right? But I tell you something. The enemy hates this message. Absolutely hates it. Because there's power there. And God wants to confirm his word and he will confirm it. And people will come. And people are coming. So let me just summarize this. Because this should encourage us. About what God has done. About what God is doing. What God is going to do. Okay? Should be excited about what God has done in the past. What he's doing right now in 2023. Calling people done to himself. Very simple. Come. Come. You need to come. You need to come to the cross. And what God is going to do. We should have every confidence. That God is going to carry out all of his statutes. Um, That he is declared in his word with full confidence. We need to say to people, you need to come to the Lord. You need to receive. I said to somebody yesterday, the one question that you'll be asked is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with him? This is the question everyone's going to have to answer. Jesus, Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my father in heaven. If you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. It's the most important question on this side of eternity. Many people are coming to the faith and they're coming through it through revelation. Many of the Jews are coming to the faith. Look at Iran. If you haven't looked, look. Spend some time. What is God doing in Iran? He's raising up an army there. Many 18 to 22 year olds who are coming to faith. Why? Because One of the great things about the internet is that the New Testament has got into people's homes. And they're gathering. And they're praying. And they're being converted. They're leaving Islam and finding Christ and having a revelation of him. There's many Muslims who are coming to faith. And we're going to be hearing about one. I think it's the 30th of September. I shall let you know about it at C3 Church. I had a call from um, one of the charities that we... um, provide for and they've invited us as a church to go to c3 
I think it's on the 30th of September, of a, um, a Muslim man who came to faith. I'm not sure of his background, but it was pretty hardcore. I'll let you guess that. But God called him, he heard the word come, and he came. Amen? Well, this is great. So, Father, we thank you for this testimony and what you are doing, Lord. And how many people, Lord, that you are calling unto yourself. Lord, I pray that you will give us boldness to speak about your word and that, Lord, you're not willing for any to perish, Lord, but for all to come to salvation in Jesus. And we believe, Lord, that you only save through Christ and Christ alone. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, Lord, and we receive that. And we thank you, Lord, that he has accepted us and called us into his fold. Lord, I pray this word encourages, equips, and edify your people, Lord. But Lord, we don't want to miss out on anything that you're doing. So Lord, help us to be a part of that.